trust you're already there. It took me a second there. Every time that battery goes dead, it waits until I need it to tell me. Psalm 116. I want to preach to you this morning a message that Jesus preached more than He preached on heaven. And I want to preach to you this morning a sermon called The Pains of Hell. And a lot of times you've heard, uh, at least I hope you have, and this day and time not a lot of folks preach on hell. But this morning I'm going to preach on hell and I'm going to come at it from a different uh, viewpoint maybe. And I think I preached this message here uh, five or six years ago or uh, four or five years ago. And, uh, and But at any rate, I want to go over these things and, and kind of, if you're saved, uh, maybe refresh this in your mind. Sometimes you forget the priority of things. And as a Christian, we ought to be concerned about this. And then if you're not saved, you definitely ought to be concerned about this because it's a, it's a thing that's sure. Uh, in this day and time, you know, the scientists and the philosophers have kind of reasoned things away. But I want you to make no mistake about it. There, if the Lord said there was a hell, there's a hell. And the Lord didn't just say things to just kind of teach good lessons and, and try to, you know, encourage people to do the right thing. The reason that Jesus said there was a hell is because there was a hell. Amen. And so I want to preach about these things. He said, Brother Mike, why is there a hell? Because God hates? No, that's not the reason that there is. Uh, Jesus preached about hell because he didn't want you to go. And we could read some verses of scripture and we may do that if, if time permits this morning. I, I mainly want to deliver uh, the main message, but the Bible uh, makes it clear that when God punishes a thing, it's not to be hateful or mean or spiteful or anything like that, but God punishes sin to protect the righteous. God punishes evildoers to protect those who are doing the right thing. And hell is a place for judgment on sin. And that's exactly what hell is made for. Uh, Jesus Christ died because of sin. Jesus didn't die to make the world a better place or to help us get along or uh, to be more friendly towards one another. All of those things are fine and well, but Jesus died on the cross because of sin. And Jesus died on the cross to keep people from going to hell. You do not have to go to hell. Amen? You know, a lot of people, you know, when you hear them preach on hell, maybe it sounds like they're enjoying the fact that, hey, if you're not one of us you're going to hell well i don't take no pleasure in the fact that folks are going to hell i don't want anybody to go to hell i can think of some people that i really just don't enjoy i don't enjoy the presence i don't enjoy their impact on this world i don't like what they mean i don't like what they stand for a lot of people like that but not one of those people do i want to see go to hell i don't i I recognize some people deserve it Amen. As a matter of fact, everybody deserves it. We, the, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I want to preach you this message on hell now. And I don't think, I know you've heard about hell. Anybody in here never heard about hell? Everybody's heard about hell. But I want to maybe come at it from a standpoint you never uh, heard of it before. And maybe just try to give you a description of what it's like. Psalm 116. And let's start reading in verse number 1. Let's read the scripture. I love the Lord because he hath heard the voice, uh, heard my voice and my supplication. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Once you tasted and seen that the Lord is good, 
You'll want more and more and more. Uh, this writer, he says, I love the Lord because He heard my prayer. And the Bible says that in the New Testament. We love Him because He first loved us. Amen? Amen. And then he says, Because He has inclined His ear to me, therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. You know why I prayed yesterday? Because He's answered my prayers that I prayed the day before that and the day before that. I prayed and He answered my prayer. Therefore, He said, I'm going to pray for, to Him as long as I live. Listen, sometimes you might make the mistake of going through a time in your life where you're close to God and you pray to God and God's hearing and answer prayer. But something in this world draws your attention away. And get your mind off the fact that God is a God that answers prayer. Hey, get the things of this world out of your sight. Uh, Just get them out of your vision. Set your eyes on God. And call on Him. Amen. The Bible said, call on me. And He said, I will answer thee. Amen. So call on Him. That's the reasons there. And so evidently this psalmist, the fellow that wrote this psalm here, he's going through some hardship. And he called on the Lord and the Lord heard him. Well, how bad was this hardship? Look in verse 3. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the pains of hell got hold upon me. Talks like a country boy, don't he? Get hold. Get hold on me. Amen. I'm glad talking country style is biblical style. Amen. In the Bible, people reckon. Amen. I reckon. Amen. He says, the sorrow of death compassed me and the pains of hell get hold upon me. You see those two little dots there? I'm not a grammar teacher, but I can tell you this. Anytime you see them two little dots there, he's about to explain something that he said before. That's called a colon. Amen? Well, that colon means that he's going to explain something to you. The pains of hell get hold upon me. Them colons mean he's about to tell you what the pains of hell are. If I were to say to you this morning, what would you feel if you went to hell? Most of you would say flames. That's what you've been taught hell is, right? Well, there's something worse than flames in hell. And people, that nobody wants to burn. Flame, a flame, probably one of your biggest fears. I know it is mine. That's been one of my fears my whole entire life, to be in a house that's on fire. I've always feared that. We all got fears. I guess you might, feel a, you might fear a Rottweiler dog. Well, I, I can shoot a dog, amen. Uh, but I've always feared a fire. Hadn't you? Well, let me say this. You probably think the same way. And maybe that's something that God put in us to keep us out of hell. You ever thought about that? Well, I can say this for sure. There is something worse in hell than flames. He said, the sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. The sorrows of death compass me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Let's pray right there. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would help us this morning. I pray, O God, that you would, uh, Lord, let us collect our thoughts here. Let me preach as I ought to. Help these folks hear and understand. As they should, dear God. And I pray, God, that you would just uh, open our hearts for a few minutes, God. If we're saved, I pray, God, that you would help us, God, to just think about these things. To think about the fact that uh, 
probably our relatives and friends are going to go to this place, God, and we certainly don't want them to go. And you've made every allowance, God, that they shouldn't go and don't have to go. Pray you'd help us to get our minds right this morning if we're Christians. And then if somebody's here this morning, God, they're not sure about their salvation, I pray they'd use this morning, God, uh, to put aside all shame and all fear. And Lord, make it right this morning. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would uh, just free up hearts and minds to be able... Uh, to trust you this morning. Lord, do a great mighty work through your word. I know that that's what it'll take. It'll take your word and your spirit to get the job done that we're here to do this morning. And I'll thank you and praise you for what you will do. Get glory and honor to your name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Now I said a few minutes ago uh, that hell was a real place and that Jesus talked about hell more than any other place. And if there's one thing I want you to realize this morning, when we're preaching about hell, we're not preaching about hate. We're not preaching about anything about our judgment. This the judgment of hell is God's judgment. God's the one that going to, you say, well, God's going to send people to hell and that is true. But God's not going to send anybody to hell that made the right choices in this life. If you chose Jesus Christ, we've been talking about on Sunday nights, we've been talking about the tribulation. Uh, if you accept Jesus Christ, you've taken yourself out of the realm of anybody that's even going to be there. The folks that will end up in the tribulation are folks that rejected Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the reason. Idolatry and worshiping other gods and rejecting the real and true God. That's why people go through the tribulation. Not only that, but that's the reason that they go to hell because they've rejected uh, the one true God, the way, the truth and the life. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. If you reject the way, then there's only other one way you can go. The Bible said uh, the, the road that goes to destruction is a wide road and many uh, many's the folks that's on it. Amen. You say, hey, Brother Mike, that's hateful. Well, I don't, know that it, I don't know that it's hateful and that Jesus Christ made a way out. I think the hateful attitude is from the people that reject Christ. Amen. Amen. If God made a way on the cross, if God made a way by sending His Son to die on the cross and take a physical punishment and a physical beating and die a physical death and then go and experience the pains of hell in person for you, I think it's you that's hateful, that rejected. Amen. And I believe that the doctrine of hell is actually a doctrine of love in that God would make a judgment and a separation between right and wrong. Amen. Hell is not just a place where God's going to punish sin. Hell is a place where God's going to protect righteous people from sin for eternity. In this world, you face temptations on a daily basis, don't you? Don't you? You certainly do. As Christians, you know, people say, well, I'm saved. I don't get tempted no more. I don't believe that. Amen. As a Christian, you face temptations every day. But in one sense, hell is going to put an end to those temptations. God's going to take away. God's going to put the devil there. And a lot of people have misconceptions about hell. I'm going to try to put a lot of those misconceptions aside. The devil is not in hell sitting on a throne. Wearing a crown. The Bible says the devil's the God of this world. He's not the God of hell. Hell is a place to torment the devil. Now you'd have to admit, people are afraid of uh, feared. People are afraid of these things. People are afraid of demons. You know, if something goes bump in the night, people get the, uh, you know, the hair stands up on the back of their neck. Yeah. Different things. People are afraid of that kind of stuff. Yes, well, 
if you're afraid of the devil or you're afraid of the demons, that means he's more powerful than you are. Yeah, that's right. He's got more brains than you got. He's got more wisdom than you got in one sense of the word wisdom. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of uh, 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 wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The Bible said, but the devil got a different kind of wisdom than that. The Bible says the devil is wiser than Daniel, but he don't have the right kind of wisdom. Well, the devil can figure things out. The devil's been around a long time, and he does have great power, and you're afraid of him. Well, God made hell to torment the devil. The Bible said hell was made for the devil and his angels. Well, if God invented hell to torment the devils, and it's going to destroy their body and be a torment to them, how much of a torment would it be to you and I? Hmm? That's something to think about, isn't it? It certainly is something to think about. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Don't you have, you do have uh, temptations here and torments here. uh, But what's the biggest thing that torments you right here on this earth? Some of you may think, well, the devil or my wife or my husband or something like that. But you know, the biggest problem people have right here is with trouble and sorrow. See what the verse said? He said, I found trouble and sorrow. Some of you are afraid of the devil. and Maybe you're more afraid of devils and ghosts and goblins and stuff like that than you are God. Amen. Perhaps. that's true. I mean, some people pull a cover up over their head when they watch these scary movies. But then when they hear about God, they don't, don't blink an eye. Yeah, that's right. You ought to fear God. Amen. I, interesting thing happened this morning. I was about to leave, had my suit and tie on, was about ready to go, and I said, I need to read my proverb. You know, read a proverb a day, try to get that done. Uh, so Abigail was standing there in the room, and uh, she always comes and knocks on the door. Can I come in? I said, I'm getting dressed. You got to wait a little bit. Got everything, got my clothes on. Said, okay, you come on. She come on in, closed the door. She was fooling around. Uh, you know, she gave me some candy uh, for, for Christmas, and I still got some of it there. She fooling around with that a little bit. Uh, I was about to get ready to go, and about to turn, and I said, well, I'll just go ahead and read my proverb real quick. And so I opened it up since she was in the room. I read the first verse, Proverbs chapter 1, talks about a false balance. And I read that loud. I said, do you understand what that is? She said, no. So I kind of explained that a little bit. So I go on and start reading the verse, and somebody opens the door to my bedroom. I thought it was Madison coming in. The door open. I'm not talking about blue open. I'm talking about the handle. And click and just come up. And down at the end of the hall is Madison. I said, did you do that? She said, no. Well, Abigail says, I'm out of here. (laughs) And she's starting to run to the door. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, don't run. Don't run. I said, just relax. You said, could it it have been something spiritual? I I don't know. It could have been. But I ain't going to get afraid. I'm going to keep reading the Bible. Amen. I got my Bible in my hand. Maybe there was an unclean spirit there. I started reading the Bible and it decided it had to go. Maybe. I hope it was going. Amen. I prayed and God, asked God to help it to go. But listen, you don't get, you don't get scared and run. I mean, I'm, not talking, I'm not telling you to fight the devil. I'm telling you to fear God more than you fear the devil or an unclean spirit. See, people got that mentality. The scary movies has taught you to fear things that go bump in the night more than you fear your God. Amen. I fear my God. You know what? The Bible says the devils fear and tremble. 
Well, who are they afraid of? They're afraid of God, ain't they? Well, you're on God's side, ain't you? Amen. Well, don't fear things that go bump in the night. Something goes bump in the night, say, Get him, God! Right, amen. Well, I'm going to take care of myself. I'll just let God do it. Right. Amen. Somebody asked me one time, Can you come get a ghost out of my house? I said, I can come pray for God to do it. Right. Amen. Amen. Exorcism ain't in the power of man. That's God's business. Amen. And I believe some of your houses need cleaning. I mean, they certainly do. I got a relative lives up in North Carolina. They got something in their house that talks to them. Calls out their name. I said, boy, I can take care of that for you. They said, I ain't going to hurt nothing. So I just walked through the house praying it'd go anyway. But it didn't go. They don't want it to go. It ain't going to go nowhere. Amen. You call on God, though, He'll take care of those things. And just like God can defeat the devil, God's defeated hell for you. You ain't got to go. You ain't got to go. Amen. Now, this verse is plain. I want to talk about these things for a little bit. The worst thing in hell you're going to find is not flames or demons or the devil. The devil's going to be there for the same reason men are. That is rejected as God. Amen. So the Bible says here, The sorrows of of death come past me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. Now what are the pains of hell? I found trouble and sorrow. Trouble and sorrow. The Bible says in Psalm 9, 17, it says, All, he said, uh, the, the nations shall be turned into hell. The Bible says everybody that forgets God will be turned into hell. And he said also the nations. So if you forget God, the Bible says the nations will be turned into hell and all them that forget God. Well, you know, one of the big, you know, America has never been a Christian nation, but America's been a nation full of Christians. And there was a time when we lived a whole lot better than we live today. And folks were content and happy when they had dirt floors. And oh, uh, the, the churches were as nice as, sometimes they was nice in the city. Folks would go out in the country and, and uh, meet together in an old church. We took the kids up to North Carolina and showed them one of the first, uh, um, what they would call primitive Baptist churches. We showed them one of those first churches up there. Remember how little it was, girls? Remember how little that place was? But then people got in there and worshipped the Lord with gladness. Wasn't much. Had a little pot belly stove in it. Had room for about 30 people maybe downstairs. Maybe 20 people upstairs. Just a little old country church. But then people were happy and content back in those days. Now we got everything that we want. We got McDonald's on one hand. And and we got anything we want. I mean we got Burger King, McDonald's. We can eat anytime we want to. Got microwaves at the house. If we don't want to cook, we can cook it in five minutes. What used to take 45 minutes to come. I mean we got all these modern conveniences. But folks walk around in continual state of depression. You know what depression is, don't you? Sorrow. Is that not what it is? Look in verse number 3. The pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. I went back there before the service. I patted Tommy on the back. I said, how'd it go this week? He said, one of my mowers broke down, but it went pretty good. You know what? I said, that's about par for the course in, in the business, ain't it? I mean, roofers lose hammers. And air compressors go down. Nail guns get stuck. I mean, all kinds of troubles like that. That's troubles. Yeah. I, I can remember when I used to run the roofing company. And I'd done that for about six years. And boy, at first I started off with hammers. And it took me about one job to figure out, man, there's a better way to do this. 
So go out and buy these air guns and you put these things down. I can remember being up there just working away and working, and one of them things freeze up or the air compressor motor burn up. Boy, that, that's just nothing like it. I mean, if you're just thinking about it out of context, I mean, we're sitting here this morning, if you think about lawnmowers going down or nail guns sticking or the engine on the work truck going out or something like that, that's just something we have to put up with. But boy, when it happens, yeah. Yeah. Ugh, unhook it and throw it. Make, look around and make sure nobody's seen you pitching a temper tantrum. Huh? Get off the lawnmower and go over to the truck and grab something to beat it with, Right? Whoever you hired to help you, it's their fault. Ain't no question about that. <laughs> I'll pay for all this stuff and you jerks lose it all. Well, I couldn't tell you how many times we drove off from a work site and the guy whose job it was to make sure all the tools was in the truck, he didn't do his job, leave a $500 ladder there or a $300 nail gun and come back and one of them honest engines running around there, they took it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you mad. No, that's trouble. You know, now, you know what, everybody in here knows what depression is, don't you? Have you ever had some troubles though? Do you know how that makes you feel? That that just man, I can't I can't believe this. Brother Spike told me one time about buying some new equipment and taking it to the job, and I think it was one of the first or second jobs he used that stuff on. Somebody come up to the up to the welcome centers and took that stuff right off the back of the trailer. He was just right over yonder working. Somebody walked by and got his new equipment and walked right off with it. You imagine what you had felt like? You just bought this brand new equipment and you got all these new jobs to take care of and somebody come along and picked them up and took them to their house. I can imagine him standing there just looking at the trailer going. I had a a four-wheeler one time. I I bought it right after we come back on our honeymoon, me and Ruth. Went to the Yamaha shop and picked it up. Nobody ever rode it before. They just put it together. Mine. It was mine. Grit, I mean, not a grizzly, a Kodiak 400, four wheel drive. It was mine. I wanted the camouflage, but they didn't have one in. All they had was red, but it was mine. And one of the first things I did, I went and raced a guy that had a Polaris, uh, and it was like a 500 or something like that, and I smoked him. <laughs> I put it up in four wheel drive and smoked him in four wheel drive. I was like, man, this is, this is a bad machine. I loved it. Sometimes I would ride it just ride out in the woods, lay my head down on the gas tank on it. <laughs> One day I put it up in the back of my pickup and, and I didn't have time to take it down so I just raised the garage door and I backed my truck in to my garage and just kind of it, I didn't I had a bunch of junk in there like all people do in the garage so I pulled the door down to the hood just left it like it would be alright. When I came home from work, somebody had rolled my truck out of the garage and took that four-wheeler and dumped it off the back and rode off with it. And I stood there. Holding my belly for 15 or 20 minutes. Thinking of all the evil deeds I was going to do when I found. 
That sick feeling in your stomach. Has anybody ever got anything stolen from them? It's a, just a, I don't know. I, you can't really describe it, but there's a sick feeling that somebody come and took what belonged to you. Boy, that, that's trouble. The Bible says if you go to hell, the flames ain't the thing you've got to worry about. I don't know if you've ever been depressed. I don't know if you've ever had any trouble. But from the time you get to hell, for the rest of eternity, you go, that's what you're going to feel. Forever. Troubles, troubles, troubles. How you gonna? How you gonna? How you gonna uh, escape? If you can't escape those feelings, you, you, your mind will never be right again. Just never be right again. And there ain't no medication for it down there either. Amen. The Bible says all the nations that forget God, they'll be turned into hell. The people that forget God, be turned into hell. Well, this used to be a country where people were content and had godly values, but now they don't. You know what they got now? They got depression medication. You say, why? Because our society's been turned into hell. You can't help but be depressed. You can't help but be troubled all the time. You say, what's your advice? Don't go to that place. Don't go to that place, amen? Amen. Let's look at uh, Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139. Every time I say something like that, I get kind of mystified. A book that's got 139 chapters in it. It's got more than that though. Psalm 139, and look at verse number 8. It says, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Billy Graham said one time in his newspaper article, and some of y'all might remember that back when Billy Graham's articles was in papers all over the country. Somebody wrote in and said, Is there really a burning hell? And he said, No, hell's just separation from God. Well, I'm sorry about what he said, but if you read that verse right there like I just did, he said, if you ascended up into heaven, thou art there. Of course God's in heaven. But the Bible said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. The Spirit of God is everywhere. Even in hell, God's Spirit there. So hell is not just separation from God. The Bible says that sinners are already separated from God. Ephesians chapter 2 says, you're alone and without hope. And without God, right now on this earth, you're already separated from God. That's why you go to hell. You're separated from God. So hell is not an escape from God. So you know, you see the skinniest guy on the block and he says, that would be me in this case. But, uh, no, Tommy's here. Amen. Uh, But at any rate, you see the skinniest guy on the block. He says, when I go to hell, I'm going to take over. No, sir. No, sir. Hell is not a party place. Hell is not a place. Listen, there won't be no semblance of a party in hell. And there won't be the only person in charge of hell is going to be the one that's in charge right now in this world. That's God Almighty. God's in charge. Amen. The devil may have some control in politics and things like that. And you may have some control around your house. But God's the one in charge. And everything that God wrote down in this book about the way things should go, that's the way it should go. You be obedient now. Right. Amen? Amen? Be obedient now. Hell is not a place for, to escape from God. Hell is not a place of separation from God. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Look at, let's look in Isaiah chapter number 5. I'm just seeing what the Bible has to say this morning about these things. Isaiah Chapter number 5. 
Look at verse number 14. He says, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. Hell is a place where he said not only all these people are going to go, but the Bible says it enlarges itself. It's not just a figment of our imagination. It's not just a place where we teach bad people to go so bad people will become good people. Hell is not a teaching tool. Hell is not just a parable to make people think twice about their ways. The Bible said hell is so real that it enlarges itself. You say, why? More people are going there on a daily basis. Hell gets bigger all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. Look at Job chapter number 27. Folks are going to hell on a regular basis. That's the point I want you to see right there. Now turn and look in the book of Job. Book book of Job chapter number 27. Job chapter 27, and let's look at verse number 19. Now this is what happens when a lost man dies. You remember the story, and we're going to look at it here just a little bit. The Bible says when Lazarus died, the angels came and carried him into Abraham's bosom. Now I, I don't know anything about death, do you? I ain't never died. I don't know nothing about it. I know what I've read in the Bible. But if I died, I don't know where to go, do you? I've never been to heaven. I don't know the way. But when I die, because I'm saved, God's going to send somebody to get me. Amen? Uh, you ever heard the song, and I realize some of these things are not all doctrinal and stuff like that, but you heard the song, I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Well, they're talking about death, really. That's what they mean. And really, Jordan don't represent death in the Bible. But they say, you know, I'm going to have to cross that river by myself. That's true. When you die as a saved person, God's going to send somebody to get you. Amen. And the trip may not take but a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But no, no matter how long it takes to get from here to heaven, when you die, God's going to send somebody to get you. If you're a good Christian, if you're a bad Christian, if you're a mediocre Christian, if you're a Christian, God's going to send somebody to go with you. That's right. Amen. Amen. God's going to send somebody to go with you. And so he says here in Job chapter 27, verse number 19. Now this is what happens. Let's back up a couple of verses. Verse 15. He says, Those that remain of him shall be buried in death, and his widows shall not weep. Though he heap up silver as the dust and prepare raiment as the clay, he may prepare it. Now he's talking about a rich man, ain't he? Silver. You remember what the, the, the story of rich man and Lazarus was? It was a rich man, right? A rich man's a man that's self-sufficient. He don't need God. Now you don't go to hell for being rich. I hope you understand that. But God uses the rich man because he trusts in his own riches instead of trusting in God. He may trust in his own righteousness instead of trusting in God. But when you, if you want to go to heaven, you don't trust in yourself. You trust in Jesus Christ. So God used the rich man and Lazarus to tell the story. Now in this case, he's talking about the death of a rich man. Ain't that a coincidence? You think that's a coincidence? That ain't no coincidence. God's fixing to t- teach you how a lost man dies. Here it is. Those that remain of him shall be buried in death, and his widows shall not weep. Though he heap up silver as the dust, and prepare raiment as the clay, 
He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on. Whatever you do in this life, you're going to die one day and somebody else is going to use what you got. Amen. He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on and the innocent shall divide the silver. He buildeth his house as a moth and as a booth that the keeper maketh. Now look, the rich man shall lie down, but he shall not be gathered. He openeth his eyes and he is not. So first of all, he says when this man, of course he's talking about death. That's the whole context of what we just read. And he said, first of all, when this man dies, it's not going to be like Lazarus that had somebody there to bring him on his journey. He said, when the rich man lays down and dies, or when the lost man, for sake of the, for sake of the lesson, when the, when the lost man dies, he's going to close his eyes in death, but he's going to spiritually open his eyes and he's going to be all by himself. In death. Ain't nobody going to be around. You know, you see kind of on the TV where some demons might come and uh, you're going to be by yourself when you wake up in death. And he says, he says, the rich man shall lie down, but he shall not be gathered. Nobody coming to get you. He said he openeth his eyes and he is not. That means he's non-existent no more. He's, he's spiritual now. He's not physical body. He opens his eyes and he is not. Then look what happens. Verse 20. Terrors take hold on him as waters. A tempest still him. What? You ever seen somebody? And I know you. if you've seen this, you've probably seen it on television. Maybe you've been whitewater rafting or something like that. Somebody fell over the side of the boat and there they go. Yeah. Kind of hard to stop, ain't it? You might have seen something like that. In most cases, in most cases, people this day and time, they ain't never been around. They ain't never been out of the living room, let alone been nowhere. But you probably seen on TV somebody get caught up in the water and just get drugged away, and it's helpless. Somebody standing on the shore, go, come back, Johnny. They can't come back. They can't do nothing about it. Being drugged away. The Bible says when you die, if you're lost, you're gonna wake up by yourself. And he said. The, the terrors like you never seen terror before in your life going to seize on you. And of course that's going to stick with you forever. We just read that in Psalm 116. That terror, that trouble, those hardships are going to be with you for eternity. He said, but when you wake up dead, it's going to seize you like you ain't never seen. Terrors. And then he said, just like a tempest, it's going to sweep you away. And you're going to want to, people say, well, when, when Grandma died, she didn't quite, she wasn't quite done. So she hung around with the, no, you don't get to decide if you're going to stay or go. When you die, the Bible said the terrors are going to take hold of you and something is going to sweep you away, like getting caught in the river. You may want to stay, but you're going to get drug away. Now, it may be something spiritual. It may be demonic. I don't know what it is. But it said, terrors take on him, uh, on him as waters. A, a tempest stealeth him away in the night. Being drug away. You'll be drug away to hell in a tempest you probably can't even see. Wouldn't that be terrible? Wouldn't that be terrifying? Verse 21. The east wind carrieth him away. And he departeth. And as a storm hurleth him out of his place. Imagine that. If you was to die without Christ, the first thing you'd experience was pure terror. And then something would grab a hold of you and start carrying you away. It'd feel like you was caught up in a river. Or either it would feel like the wind had come by and just picked you up and throwed you out of your place. 
You say, where are they going, Brother Mike? They're going to hell. The Bible says about that rich man, Lazarus said, in hell he lifted up his eyes. Before he knew it, he was there. Amen? Look in verse 22. For God shall cast upon him and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss at him out of his place. Can you imagine that? When you get to hell, people are going to be glad you're there. Think about that. Said so men going to clap and hiss. Can you imagine getting to hell and experiencing all that torment? You ever, you ever banged your finger with a hammer and somebody went, <laughs> laughed at you? Boy, that makes you mad, don't it? I don't know what's wrong with us. Something is. If I bang my finger and somebody laughs at me, I want to hit them with that hammer. But ain't it strange? If I bang my finger and somebody goes, Oh, are you okay? You need help? That makes me mad too. Don't it you? I mean, if I'm hurt and somebody's fooling with me, I just want elbow them one time. Get away from me. I want to cry in my own milk. Amen? Something, but listen, something does something that just stirs up something in you. When you do something and it hurts you, and some people start laughing at you, does something to you, don't it? The Bible said when you get swept away from this place and into hell, the Bible said the, the, the men down there are going to be hissing at you and clapping. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Talk about all these people out in the world, they love you now. Oh, come on, drink a beer with us. Oh, come on, go against your mama. Go on, come on, go against your priest. Oh, just come on, have fun with us. You think they love you. But if you met them in hell, you'd find out. They're glad you got. They just as glad you got punishment. They're glad you got punishment because they're being punished. I suppose. Amen. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of their place. Let's look real quick now. Let's look in the New Testament in Luke chapter sixteen. Luke chapter sixteen. Let me say this out of Luke chapter sixteen. Hell is not a place of repentance. Hell is not a place where people go to get right. You know the Catholic Church teaches that if you go to hell, somebody can pray over you and get you out. Or maybe you go to hell and pay for your sins and then get out one day. But hell is not a place of repentance. Luke chapter 16 will prove that to us and show us very clearly. And this is Jesus teaching. This is not somebody you can argue with. Amen? Luke chapter 16 Look what happens here. Let me just say this about it. Hell's not a place of repentance. Hell will not change your mind once you get there. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 16 and verse number 19. There was a certain rich man. That's what we read about in Job. They're not going to hell because they're rich. They're going to hell because they depended on themselves rather than God. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Bad shape this fellow, ain't he? And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Nobody come got him. Notice that we just learned that in the book of Job, didn't we? 
He said it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried. Somebody came and got him. Amen. Carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and come get me out of this place. Is that what it says? He said, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. You know what? This fella, he's not repentant. He's not repentant. He says, listen, he says, send Lazarus and comfort me right here in hell. He didn't say, let me out. He didn't say, let me out. This sinner not changed his mind. He said, send Lazarus and comfort me. A sinner would rather be comforted in torment than leave the torment for godliness. You know why people don't accept Jesus Christ while they're here on earth? They don't love Jesus. They don't love godliness. They don't want to do right. What makes you think they're going to want to get right after they go to hell? Matter of fact, they're not going to get submissive towards God. They're going to hate God more and more. Anyway, you look at hell in your Bible, the people there hate. They're not getting right. They're getting madder at God every day. That's why they clap when you get there. That's why people are excited when they see you get to hell. They hate. They hate. They hate. I'm going to go to hell and party. There ain't no parties in hell. Ain't no parties in hell. So this man, this rich man, when he gets to hell, he'd rather have water in hell than to go to heaven. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? It's not a place. It's not a place where you're going to get right. A sinner rather be comforted in torment than leave torment for godliness. Now look, he's not changed his mind none. He said, "Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." He said, "I want to." He said, "I'm in hell, but I'd rather have I'd rather have some comfort here." He said, "Send Lazarus to do it." You see, he still thinks he's the one in charge. On earth, he had the money. And he had the power. Now he's in hell paying for his sins and he still thinks he can tell Lazarus what to do. I got news for you. Lazarus is a much better man. Much more powerful man. If anybody's in charge now, it'd be Lazarus. Not the rich man. But the rich man ain't changed his mind. He had not found his humility, has he? Not in his own eyes anyway. He still thought of himself as able to dictate to Lazarus. Look what Abraham says. Son, remember that that thou in thy lifetime receives good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. I wish the Catholics could see that. There ain't no way to get out of hell. There's a gulf fixed there that won't let anybody cross. Abraham knew that. So he said, Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gold fix, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. I don't know who that would be. But neither can they pass to us that would come from thence and can get out of hell. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. He's still trying to dictate to Lazarus. Make Lazarus go and tell my people. At least he did want to keep his family out of hell. But it's too late. It's too late. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they come, lest they also come to this place of torment. 
Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Now that sounds like be pretty convincing, don't it? If somebody was to get out of the graveyard over there at Camp Pickney and come walk over here and say, Oh, I've been in hell for 35 years. You'd think that'd be convincing. But you know what? This man's already in hell. The rich man. He's not changed his mind. All he wants in hell is water. He's not even asking to get out of hell. All he wants is water. So Abraham knows this man's already in hell. He's not convinced. He said the only way you can get convinced that you don't want to go to hell is that while you're walking around up here in flesh and blood, you hear the gospel and believe it. If you don't believe it while you're walking around up here, if you don't believe what the Bible says about hell, then you're not going to be convinced if somebody did get out of that graveyard. If somebody did come back from hell, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe. You say, why? Because I, I opened my Bible up a while ago and said the pains of hell. And no doubt somebody somewhere has heard that before and went, there ain't no hell. Folkston might be surprised. Next. I don't know how long there's been an article in the newspaper about a literal burning hell, but there's going to be one next weekend Amen. unless they decide not to run it. Yeah. But this world don't believe in hell no more. <laughs> hell. God wouldn't do that. Now the thing that God wouldn't do is allow unrighteousness into heaven. Amen. That's what God God won't do that. And He's not going to allow you to have your own place. He's going to put you in a place of torment. That's right. You say, well, why don't He just let them go to hell and just be burned up? God, when God created you, He made something that ain't never... You can't burn it up. What you don't realize is your spirit is immortal. Right. Your soul is immortal. It can't die. It can't be burned up. Can't happen. You got to live forever somewhere. Of course, living in hell will be death. The Bible calls it the second death. But your spirit can't be killed. Humanists are already preaching that you can't stop the spirit of man. That's exactly right. You can't. But God is going to put you in a place to pay for your sins, and that place is going to be forever. And that place is not going to be just a place of fire and torment. I would think that would be the very least. You know what? I'm not even. I'm not even surprised that that the that the rich man called it a place of torment. And I'm not sure that he's really talking all about just the flame. You know what? The Bible we read it back in Psalm. He said, "I got sorrow and trouble." You ever been depressed? I know some of you in here deal with depression. And I try to preach just as much as I can to help you get over that kind of stuff and help you get through that stuff because there is a biblical answer to that stuff. But don't you remember, don't you see what it's like to sit in your bedroom and stare at the walls and hate the world and hate what you're going through? Listen, if you go to hell, you're going to have to deal with that stuff every day, all day. You won't even know it's day or night. Be eternal darkness, eternal torment, eternal flame, eternal smoke. Listen, even the smart aleck preachers today are saying, well, that word hell just really means the grave. Well, what does the word smoke mean? Listen, I don't care if Jesus used the word that meant grave. Hell is a grave for lost people. That's your final resting place, except there won't be no rest. But listen, smart aleck, 
What, what's the misinterpretation of the word flame? Jesus said, out of that grave, that flames and smoke would be ascended up forever. What did they misinterpret when they used the word smoke? Have you ever been to a grave? Yeah. You ever been to a graveyard? Yeah. See any smoke? Jesus was talking about a literal place. A place of hardship. A place of sorrow. Listen, the very worst Christian, I'm glad he's going to heaven. Amen. I'm glad about that. Heavens are not about how good we do. Heavens about whether or not we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the fact that God used the rich man makes that clear. Do you trust in yourself? I'm not asking you how good you've been or how much you've drank or how many cuss words you've said. I'm asking you, do you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you trusting in Him? If you trusted in yourself, you've got sorrow and pain and torment and a terrible storm and a tempest and hatred and flames, the least of your worries. To look for forever. Say, I'm saved, Brother Mike. How about your aunt? How about your uncle? How about your cousin? How about the guy you work with? How about the guy down there? You like him. He's a good guy. Oh, he's a real solid fellow, man. He's a real... Is he going to heaven? You like him enough to tell him about the gospel? You like him enough to put your reputation on the line? You like him enough to let them call you a fruit and a fanatic and a... Because that's what they're going to do. Oh, you believe in hell. Oh, you want them Christians. I'm a Christian. I am a Christian. Amen. I may be a fruitcake, but I'm not going to hell. Amen. Are you? He said, Brother Mike, I can't say I'm not going. Well, listen, Nathan's going to come play a little bit. And we're going to have a little altar call. You come. Amen. I can show you how to go to heaven. Jesus done made that easy when he died on the cross. You come ahead, Nathan. Listen, if you say, let's go ahead and stand to our feet.